What's up, team? This is part two of a two-part episode with George Holly. In the first part, we unpack his playing career, his origin story out of Woodland Park. Go on, check that out if you get a chance. Uh, here we pick up when he finishes college. We talk about his career with the ice. We talk about him going to law school. We talk about his early career as a prosecutor. And we get into some heavy mental health topics. And then we get into how he becomes an agent, the work he's doing with Cover Zero, representing coaches and players that aspire to work in the game of football at the highest levels. Before you get started here, do me a solid like, subscribe, share, rate, review, say some positive things if you don't mind on your social medias. Text that lifting partner that you had let them know that you're thinking about them and spread the word about these adam state football podcast episodes thanks in advance and now part two with george holly uh i was a history major and i was an okay uh-huh. student i think i was like a three eight kid okay and so you spent a lot of time with coach crowther in that case yeah you know crowther loose brock Stu Hillwig, bless his heart, he passed away. He's yeah, God bless him. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great dude. He's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. the, those, those were my peeps. And then, you know, then I went to law school. So, so that, but that's not just like you went to law school. Like, did I hear this correctly that you had uh, promised a grandfather that you would go to law school or am I making stuff up? Am I making legends up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my grandfather was an attorney and I did. So I, I finished playing in the spring, in the fall. And then in the spring, I played and lived up in Fort Collins and played for the ice in indoor football. So yeah. I, I got like well, having, What was know, that like? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not a, it's not a lucrative thing, but what was it? Was it fun? Man, it was so much fun. And then I tore my shoulder. <laughs> and but like, you, uh-huh. it was... Me and my buddies just laugh. It was like spring break, you know. It was like spring break 07 <laughs> every day because you weren't going to school. It was everything that college – like you'd get done and you'd go down into the locker room and there's 48 beers on ice. And so, like, you'd have your shower beer in the locker room. You know, like it was just – it was like the Bull Durham of, like, football. Like crappy – Mountain State. Football. It was it had some good athletes, but was better at beer drinking. The fans loved it. You went traveled all over. It was not glorious. It was fun. It was. Yeah. It was everything you. you think it would be. Good for you. Um, what was that experience like, though? Because this is kind of playing into what you do now, as far as like, I don't know if you had professional aspirations while playing did it just end up being something that you could do and you did it um was there anything that you did as far as like official legal stuff or did you handle everything on your own did you have an agent what was that like i didn't have an agent i didn't see myself as an nfl player and i knew that and i was fine with it and i really didn't plan on playing more than one year of indoor ball i just wanted to go have a lot of fun i knew i had a Mm -hmm. semester Mm -hmm. so for me, I mean, I know there's been guys, and, and, and it's an it's an option that some guys look at to try and keep playing. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved the opportunity to have an XFL or a USFL when I was coming out. It just didn't exist. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. Um, 
I, I knew where I was, and I wasn't an NFL guy, but I could go have a hell of a fun time. And and I was I was pretty I was pretty decent indoor football player. I mean, uh-huh. I could play both linebacker and the end. I got p- positional flexibility to the defensive coordinator, which matters when you can only travel it's like twenty five and uh-huh. you know. And so it was it was fun, man. Well, that's really cool. I'm sure that experience maybe shaped um, what you do now with uh, with with your agency and working with players. Just tell me real brief, what was what was what was law school like? I mean, I believe you have to like live in a library, is my understanding. And uh, so, what was DU law school look like? A lot of reading. So you learn how to read really well. Um, a lot of test taking. It was it was different because I went to DU, which is like an East Coast prep school type feel, mm-hmm. like like trust fund babies coming mm. from Adam state. It's like the opposite of, of what I was used to. I basically would just ride the train to work to the law school, read on the way, get my workout in while I was at law school during the day, go to my classes, get back on the train, read on the train back home, have my social life outside. It was cool. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it's law school, man. It, mm-hmm. It was an overpaid law school, which is fine. Mm-hmm. To each their own. We each all make mistakes in this life. That was one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, how well does, well, you can tell me a little bit more about your career, but so I've always noticed you as an individual that had the ability and the willingness to speak your mind on stuff, um, even before, yeah, I mean, that, that, those are just my observations. So, does that line up really well for you in the pursuit of becoming an attorney? I'm assuming it does, but you tell me. Yeah, it, everything's double-edged sword, man. So it can and it can hurt sometimes. And even while you're an attorney, I mean, I've I've seen some crazy things even with judges. So it just, you know what? And I had, yeah, I'm not going to comment publicly yet. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, a judge in his evaluation up for attention admitted that he treated someone in his courtroom differently because of how much he liked them and whether or not that impacted a legal determination that he made. Uh-huh. So, um, and that's someone that needs to be following the law. No, you know, justice is blind. You're not looking at personalities and if you like someone or not. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so everything's a double-edged sword, man. Really, you just got to mm-hmm. do a couple things. You got to number one, stand up and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're if you're always trying to stand up and do the right thing, then if someone doesn't like it, then you know, what mm-hmm. the what the hell? It's not my problem. Right. And then, you know, that's really about it. And if if you're trying to do the right thing, and you're treating people, part two is doing it professionally. Mm-hmm. If you're exercising those traits in a professional manner, then everything else can be damned to my opinion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, if someone sees me as, as a man of integrity who might piss off a few people because I'm trying to do the right thing, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Well, kudos to you for having that. Cause that's not an easy thing to do. Like doing the right thing is hard. I mean, it's real easy, but it's so easy that it gets real complicated sometimes. So kudos to you. Um, unless there's something in particular that you want to talk about your quote unquote professional, uh, attorney work, I'd really like to hear about you starting to work with coaches, 
and professional football prospects. Uh, when did you get that itch? Or, I mean, did you always have that itch? What's, uh, what's that? What, what was that like? Yeah, I, I always had the itch. The problem was I had a mortgage and student loans from Denver University. So and you had to get an adult. You had to do some adulting first. Correct. So I had to work for the government for 10 years to get those paid off. And then when I did, I could always transition. And luckily I was enough. I have a great business partner who believes in me that's helping fund funding mm-hmm. this business. Um, and he's like, George, just do it. I believe in you. And, you know, I've still kept a lot of my connections in the football world. Um, and that's your good friend from school, huh? From high school. He went to Princeton. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so on some dispensaries around the state, high country healing, if you ever see it around, um, they got stores, it's primary stores. And, um, is that not Dylan, but, uh, Silverthorne, his primary stores in Silverthorne. He's got stores in in at least a little bit in Vail and Alma and Colorado Springs. And, um, and so, uh, he came to me and goes, let's do this. And, so just kind of drawn on what I know and, and I mean, it's been a whirlwind. Then I got involved with coaches cause I got froze out. So I, although I wanted to take the test to become licensed to do NFLPA work, COVID hit mm-hmm. and they froze out agent for a year. No one became a new agent. And so I got froze out for a year, started working on coaching. And then I've just kind of been getting into that. Just finished a trip down, meeting with several search firms down in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind enough to have me great, great individuals down there you know, with turnkey ZRG and Parker executive search and college, college sports associates. And I tell you what, you, you, you go down there and you, you get involved and you just kind of understand the power of relationships, the power of, mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of coaching. And, and then you, you get to know these young men and um, try and recruit them and give them every possible resource um, to be at their best when it comes to pro day so that they can mm-hmm. either, you know, hopefully get drafted some kids it's just not they're not trying to get drafted it's just trying to make a roster um Mm -hmm. make a 90 and get signed um and so i was lucky enough in year one to have lewis kid uh from montana state you know start off gosh and look thank god he was under the radar right like as his first year tackle and no one was high i mean i don't even think he had a they give grades i don't even think his grade was a free agent grade. I think it was just a mini camp grade. He was that far down and mm-hmm. I kept watching him. I'm like, this kid's, this guy's athletic. I mean, he's real athletic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he ended up being a first team all American his first year at tackle. And, um, he still had a lot of like, you know, he's a guard. He's a one double a kid. You know what I mean? Like he still had a lot of naysayers. And so then he goes to the CGS game and plays really well. I mean, he goes straight from the national title game, January 7th to start in the CGS all-star senior all-star game, the eighth plays his tail off. Uh, he was invited to the hula bowl, but that would have been a different travel for us. So we decided to stay in Dallas at the CGS, um, mm-hmm. invited to the hula bowl late plays so well, he gets invited to the NFL PA bowl. So we go out to the Rose bowl and he's out there in front of those guys and signs a free agent deal with the, the saints. And he's finishing up, he finished up probably an hour and a half ago, uh, practice, but, um, I think he's playing well. He's the number three right tackle right now. And, um, I'm very happy for that young man. Great individual, unbelievable human. Um, mm-hmm. very lucky to be able to get to work with him and now recruiting year two. So it's, uh, I tell you what it's, and then getting guys, I've got some other guys I'm trying to get going. I have one in the USFL, a Shadron state tackle. 
Um, he's in the USFL. He's had a tryout with an NFL team. And, you know, if they have some injuries, they might be calling back and um, got another guy in the XFL player pool. So that's good. So, so we're moving forward, creating a bunch of relationships and hopefully here in five years, this thing's humming and, and we're out there signing draft picks and getting multiple a year. And um, it's, it's, it's not something that you can just do overnight. It's, it's yeah. very much building brick by brick into this agency world. And, but I tell you what, it's awesome. And I'm very thankful to be able to do it. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm going to go down to Houston next weekend mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, check out Lewis's first game, Saints, Saints, Texans. I'm going to fly down the mm-hmm. night before and go check out um, one of the guys that was probably coaching that Fort Lewis team that we lost to was uh, <laughs> Joe Morris. And uh-huh. uh, now the DC at Sam Houston, he invited me out to go watch Sam Houston practice that Saturday morning. So I'll drive up to Huntsville, Texas from Houston uh, Friday night and Saturday morning and, and watch the watch Sam Houston practice and then head down and, and watch Lewis's first game. And so I tell you what, it's just nice being around football. I miss it. I love everything about it. Um, and to be able to do that is just, it's so much fun, man. It's mm-hmm. Um, coming from a world where what I love in doing child sex assault prosecution and attempted murder and seeing the worst in, 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 in humanity. Um, mm-hmm. it's a real weight off my shoulders to do something that I love and it's not a job. It's just something that I wake up, I think about it. I, everything I do is to, to get better and get the kids in a better position and, and grind. And, and I'm really thankful. I'm happy for you, George. That's, uh, it's really cool to see someone in a position where they've paid their dues, so to speak, as far as like the adulting stuff. And now you're in a position to like have the career part, right? You, you did your job. Now you can have your career, the thing you'd be in, excited about and be doing it anyway, um, which is something I think contributes, you know, uh, stuck in doing stuff that you don't like. And even if you have a good attitude, it wears you out. Um, and I bet you a law is something that can be a lot of burnout in, especially with those highly emotional and inflammatory type of stuff that you got to be around. So thanks for your, thanks for your public service in those regards. Cause that's uh, those are, those are hard jobs, social workers, and then folks like you who are involved in it on the, uh, on, on the court end of things. Thanks. Cause oh, well, thanks, buddy. yeah, I got to do. Uh, an at-risk youth program for a couple years and it was hard um it was it was really hard to be a part of some of those things so um i'm happy for you that you get to go and now be on a little bit more of a positive end of the thing as far as making some of these players dreams realities and helping them through those processes which i think is a much different conversation than like like you said there was no usfl there was no xfl like if you said in the locker room in 2006, 7, 8, that you were going to be a professional football player, it was kind of laughable. Now, there's part of me that reflects and regrets laughing at that um, because it's like, well, actually, that's probably a pretty noble ideal and goal. And even if you don't have the talent to do it, if you behave that way, that's a pretty admirable thing, right? But now there are some different opportunities out there for the players that are playing college football right now to go out and continue their careers. It may not be at the NFL level, but what are your kind of thoughts on that as far as 
<clears throat> you're uh, let's just imagine there's a player, they're a sophomore, junior, they're getting some starting reps, they're pretty good players. Um, how would you encourage them to think about their prospects of becoming a professional, professional meaning continuing their career outside of college football? You know, first, I'd say don't don't wait till you're a sophomore, junior, because it, it might be too late. You're going to have to put in the work and establish the habits your freshman year on campus, your sophomore year on campus at really freshman year. I mean, you've got to come in and you got to start treating yourself like a professional. you got to act like a professional. This isn't like 2001, Dirty Mo, we're down at weekends yeah. on Wednesday night. Like, right. it won't happen. It, unless right. you are extraordinarily talented, it won't happen. Yeah. And even then... Yeah. These young kids, people talk about the young kids today being lazy and entitled. Mm. These young kids today work as hard as as any generation as far as, in my opinion, of what they do on a daily basis and take care of themselves and um, do the work and don't party. Yeah. And it, we've just learned so much even about sleep and, and yeah. the impact of alcohol on the body and just eating right. Now, Adam State, they're not going to be able to, to get these kids eating right. But these, these, you're not when you want to go pro, you're not competing with Shadron and Western. You're competing with Iowa State. You're competing with right. uh, Georgia Tech. USC. You're competing with those yeah. And those kids have training tables. So you have got mm -hmm. to be a professional in the way you go about things. You've got to go to bed on time. That's biggest. You know, you've got to eat right. You can't eat non-nutritional stuff. You've got to eat lean things. You've got to start mm -hmm. transforming your body. Uh, there's a, there, I'm not going to say his name, but there's a guy at a D2 school in the conference right now that, that has the frame mm -hmm. to possibly go to the NFL next year. The question is, is he going to have enough time to transform his body where it needs to be and to, and, and, and has he waited too long? I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you have got to, you have got to put in the work from day one to get to where you need to go. And then if you do, you know, a lot of things can hinge, but let's say you go to the USFL or XFL, which we can get into a debate on how long they're going to last, what's going to do better, who they're backed by, what those things look like. But essentially, you're talking about $50,000 if you make the roster over 10 weeks, 5000 a game if you're on the active roster. If you win all 10 of those games, you've earned an extra 10000 with a $1,000 win bonus. So for you add training camp in there, we're getting 800 a week for three weeks. Let's just say you go that you work 13 weeks for on average 55, 60,000. What's wrong with that? That's a great life. Not a, not, not a thing. Um, and, and it's a, well, these are, these are my observations, right? So it's a quest, it's a journey, it's a challenge. It's a blessing. Cause there's not that many people that are going to be able to get to do it. Um, and, uh, that, that's, you make a good point. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good situation. Yeah, now um, you have what's 52 minus 15. Let's even say it's 15 weeks. 52 mm -hmm. minus 15. Now you're at 37 weeks that mm -hmm. you've almost made. I mean, I, I was at Adams, I was making 25,000 coaching my first year and mm -hmm. 52 weeks a year. So now you have 37 more weeks to go out and, and work on the side and work out and do something you like and spend time with your wife or kids if you have them. I mean, come on. Yeah. Hey, you can teach driver's ed. Yes, do it. <laughs> Grab the wheel, baby. Um, no, I, I think it's a just it's a different conversation, right? And 
um, I'm not going to totally abandon my former self, right? But in parallel, and I wouldn't change a thing about my life. I'm very blessed. But from a football standpoint, if I could go give 18-year-old AJ any advice, um, the advice would be, AJ, over the next five years, you're going to do everything that you are supposed to do. You'll show up to every single weights and you're going to show up to every single uh, morning run and you're going to give you're going to be given it during practice and you're going to win con conditioning drills. And those are good things. Um, but they're not enough. I don't think that they're enough to be a winner. And I don't think it's enough. If, even if all the kids are doing that, like you're going to have a pretty good program. If all this, if all those people do that, I don't know that you're going to be a champion is uh, the way I looked at my, you know, the, my reflections of my career was there was a difference between what I would describe as, you know, unengaged people, they're not doing right. They're not doing the things and they got those results. I did everything I could not to lose. And that's okay. Like I, sh I showed up and I put out when I needed to, and I even did some of the stuff I needed to off the field as far as getting my treatments, you know, doing some abs on the bedroom floor, trying to get some protein in. Right. But I didn't have that same kind of killer instinct that I saw out of out of some guys like Oscar and Rocco and yourself, as far as like winning, you know, like we're here to win. We're here to, and so anyway, I would say, Hey, you're going to do the things that's not enough. You have to get the sleep, get the nutrition on lock. You're going to need to skip some of those beer busts, not because you're not going to, you know, it's a valuable thing to have those experiences and make friends and stuff like that, but it's not an every week kind of a thing that you have to do. And, uh, Anyway, I would tell my young self, act like a professional. Even if you're not going to the NFL, act like you are, and there will, it will pay dividends. That's what I would tell myself. That's what kind of, you know, and listening to you, those are, I think, a program uh, uh, and, a, and a college athlete, those are the things I need to do to go from pretty good, good-ish, to being, being a dude, being a pro. Yeah. And and you touched on it, playing not to lose. I think you can't be scared to fail. And so many kids are so scared to fail that they don't want to set mm -hmm. that top goal because then they might not make it. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, and I hate the saying, well, shoot for the moon and land amongst the stars or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, so you're like, why? Why not shoot for the moon and attempt to get to the moon? And if you land amongst the stars and you fail, that's fine. But, right. but let's not have this fear of failure in our everyday lives where we go about being a shell of who we can become because we're scared to try and do new things. It's absolutely, mm -hmm. it, 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 it kills me. And mm -hmm. it kills me because I was that guy for so long and I had to go on this like journey, man, and this in this internal journey of myself and a lot of it started prosecuting these child sex assault cases and um it just got really dark i mean i was i had to really do some introspection because you know i i mean i mean no one even talked about it i hadn't even talked about it till then and i was asking these kids to testify and i had been sexually molested when i was five and uh -huh. um i'm sitting here asking these kids to 12 tell 12 strangers about what their mom and dad had done to them and i had a lot of guilt and um, Shame. Yeah, you know, things that every sexual assault survivor filters through.
which is normal. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so I had like my first like anxiety attack and I had to do a lot of like a lot of stuff, work on me and go into like who, you know, and, and it wasn't my fault. My parents didn't, you know, my mom never told my dad and I never got counseling. It wasn't my fault. And I'd never processed mm -hmm. these emotions and, um, right. You know what I mean? But you don't, you don't understand these things till you work through them. And then mm -hmm. you just keep working on yourself and keep looking in the mirror. And then you under like, who are we? Why are we scared to fail? You get into the psychology of it all. And I just think that a, a mindfulness, an everyday mindfulness mm -hmm. of who are we? What, what are we about? What can we control? What can we not control? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I can control my attempts. Like I can work my tail off if I'm scared to fail then I'm, I'm letting that fear, that emotion drive who I am. And that's not mindfulness at all. Does that make sense? Like you, you mm -hmm. can't let, like when you go into fight or flight, that's your body trying to take over, but right. That's just the emotion that you're feeling. Once you can detach from the emotion and get to a certain state of mind as to uncomfortability in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I've been seeking, like really the past five years. And so, um, I keep doing it, keep reading, keep breathing, keep doing a lot uh -huh. of stuff. But I think it's that feel of fear of failure. Just get, I keep coming back to it. I just want people to get away from it. Just chase your dreams, set goals. Uh -huh. You know, everyone's going to tell you you can't do something. Go do it. Screw right. it. Right. Well, and then pardon me if I'm reading between the lines here, George, but it sounds like you had some experiences and some trauma in your past that for you to put yourself into a position to chase dreams, chase goals, to be 100 110% George Hawley, you had to go and unpack some, unpack some trauma, unpack some experiences and, and do some work with yourself. Am I hearing that right? Man, I tell people this all the time. Um, I didn't really grow up wanting to be a prosecutor. Not mm -hmm. even, not really. I just didn't. I think that God chose me um, Amen. to do this work with these kids. And I've done some of my best work on these experiences and trials. Um, and because I'm able to, I, I, speak for these kids and understand and relate to them and um but if i didn't go through being a prosecutor and getting to work with these young kids i've all i've long struggled with why did this happen or this and that you know um and now i know why and it gives me great comfort it's because i think god chose me to go through that experience to help others in this certain facet of my life but i couldn't have and i wouldn't have been ready for this new journey that I'm on now with my new job, but for, mm -hmm. um, being able to complete my journey, um, as a sex assault survivor and go full circle with helping others to get me into the mental spot that I am today to whereas I can go and help other people and whether or not that's me at one point establishing a foundation and getting to work through with college athletes. Um, especially males that it's not a big thing to talk about or mental health. Right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's there. I don't know. I haven't quite plotted it out, but that's on the back burner as to how I can still continue to use my experience to help people. But yeah, it was huge. I, I, I don't think I would have been, matter of fact, I've told a lot of people this, I would not have been ready to, to go and do what I'm doing now without going through that. Mm -hmm. Did you, uh, did you go, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, and we can edit anything out, but did you have to, uh, get some help. I mean, did you, did you pull this all off on your, on your lonesome or were there any, cause I, 
you know, in your podcast, you promote some mental health services and things like that. Yeah. Was there anything that you found um, that was useful for you as far as, did, did you get any counseling or anything? That's where I'm going. Oh man, I didn't sleep. When I had my first anxiety, I never had anxiety. I had my first anxiety attack. I didn't sleep for like 72 hours. My wife's like, yeah, I'll talk to someone. So then I go talk to uh -huh. someone and, um, you know, and went through um, EBDM, which is treatment where you're holding like vibrating objects and going mm -hmm. through and it basically can, your brain can process it. They don't know why it works, but your brain can process these images and you can cope with it like at light speed levels. Um, mm -hmm. whereas you don't have the emotional reaction, um, mm -hmm. to those, to those images. Cause they get stored kind of like images in the way that the brain works yeah. with encoding and decoding and right. stuff, but they're burned uh, in there. Yeah. And so you can kind of go back and process those images and you can kind of look at yourself and kind of a third party. And that was the first time I really realized that it wasn't my fault. I mean, mm -hmm. I say it out loud and I was 35 years old right. and it's not until I went through all that, that I looked back and realized, Oh my God, you're a five-year-old kid. Um, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so, uh, there was a lot of processing that I did there, a lot of, a lot of treatment and therapy. And then I got into doing a lot of like breath work and, um, Wim Hof style stuff to where I was, I, I try yeah. to do my breath work every day and cold therapy. Um, it really gives me a chance to zone out, to learn mindfulness. You know, you put yourself in a fight or flight state, that's your emotions working on you. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's what the brain does. Right. And it also has the same theory right. on like biases, like that's the brain's job is to create shortcuts that work to keep us alive. That's how the human, human right. brain develops. Survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. you know, like you just got to understand the way it works and, and why things are happening. And, and just because there's an emotion attached to something that doesn't mean that that's the reality of the situation. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I did, I did a lot of work, a lot of treatment and now I, everything's fun. And I, I've implemented that with my kids. So I did like some Wim Hof style workshop with my kids last year. Um, uh -huh. I'll probably continue doing that. Um, and then my NFL kids, I call them kids. They're not kids, but you know, I did that. Yeah. I'll probably, I'm talking to a former seal now to maybe do some mental health stuff, um, awesome. in a group session for this year's group. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big believer in it, and I've really incorporated that into how I manage. Because if we're in this for the kids and these these young men that we're representing, why would I just do it for their football career? Why don't I want them to be the best humans possible? Right. Um, mentally, physically, you know, I want them to be go home with their families, be present in the moment, not worried about mm -hmm. some stress that could be from last week or from when they were ten. Um, I want them to be the best humans possibly, spiritually, physically, um, emotionally um, the best dads, the best mm -hmm. fathers, the best sons, you know, I, that's, that's really what I'm, what I'm, what I'm aiming to do with all these guys that I work with. And, uh, I think that my experience has given me kind of a, a track that, um, that helps me, helps me understand mm -hmm. and gives me a different viewpoint coming into it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe just God. I mean, God puts you in that place and, and those, you know, discussions of faith and stuff. But, uh, George, thank you for sharing that. That's a that's a lot to unload and unpack. And it's very encouraging for me when I start thinking about this whole project is having more talks with our former teammates, these people that we care about, that we love, that we support, that we trust, that we have these strong relationships so that we can have some of these discussions about current athlete mental health 
former athlete mental health, what football has meant to us, the roles and voids that it filled for us. And um, I think there's some bigger discussions to be had. Um, even if it's in, if it's just in football, great. And, but if it's Adam state football, um, those are things that, that uh, feed my soul as uh, potentials for stuff like this. So first, thank you very much for sharing um, yeah, that you, that you had those experiences um, because I bet you, you know, my, my wish would be someone listens to this and knows they're not on an Island anymore, knows that there's, someone out there and maybe maybe that encourages them to um do some things for themselves take care of themselves and talk about some things um let's let's end on a positive note here because i bet you there wasn't too many negative things about working with ian friday i've got to brush shoulders with him in the school of business um get to see him you know crushing it in school he's a good player he made quite the body transformation through COVID um, and uh, just a good dude. So what was it, what was it like working with Ian Friday, getting him ready to, uh, to really, he crushed his pro day, but tell, tell me what was your experience like working with number 88 tight end Ian Friday out of the class of 2021. Man, it, it, he, you go out and you just say, I'm going to recruit great people. And I told you about the Montana State. Ian is, there's no one, there's no better person out there than Ian. I mean, you give him a task and he's going to do it. And all that was, was done. And that was excellent. He, you know what, we tried giving him everything that he needed. I mean, we, gosh, he was 237. The goal is 237 to run well. And he was 237 running up NFL time 462. And if you don't understand these pros, yeah. like, it's slower than laser. I, I promise you, mm -hmm. they wait till your second foot crosses the 40 to stop the clock. And, mm -hmm. um, so to run a four, six, two, two thirty-seven is phenomenal. That is probably, oh, yeah. and, mm -hmm. uh, especially cause it's San Diego state should have let it work out locally and they didn't and uh -huh. see, you didn't let him come out and run in the indoor there. And so then he had to fly out, stay in Pueblo, every other kid staying at home doing their pro days at every other school in the country. Mm -hmm. And he's got to fly out from San Diego go to Pueblo. It's 39 degrees, 42 degrees. It was just for him to overcome all that and do so well. I mean, he just crushed the program. He took his body weight down, brought it back up, real lean muscle mass, ran really mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, I don't know. There's still some teams out there that, that probably have some interest and we're going to keep in shape and see what's going on as far as that goes. It, you know, but as far as the human the human and the effort and the execution, he did everything that anyone could ask. I mean, if Adam State wants to hang their hat on anyone, Ian Friday's the kind of program guy that um, school, football, does it all, grinds, works his way up from a non-scholarship kid walk on to having a legit, uh, not just legit, legit shot. I mean, he's getting texts and calls. And I'm ambiguous for a reason on purpose, but he's getting he's getting promotional videos from NFL teams up and into the fifth and sixth round of the draft, trying to recruit him in case that team doesn't sign the person that they mm -hmm. think they, they want to sign that's on him above the board, but he's on boards as far as um, free agent type guys. Um, I think that this was an, I'm not just think I'm, I'm telling you, this was an extraordinarily unique year with COVID only 500 athletes came out last year. Normal NFL draft class is 1800. 
about 550 NFL guys came out last year. This year you had something like 23 to 2,400 guys declare for the NFL draft that were possible. So you can see Mm -hmm. how, so you can see how last year didn't have as nearly as many. There's guys that were drafted six, seventh rounds that would never been drafted last year if they were in this class this year or in any other year. Uh, But there was only 500 to 600 guys that came out last year because of COVID. And, And there's a lot of reasons that take a lot longer to get into as far as that, but, what it created was a whole bunch of guys that came on the market the same year. And that particular team signed a young man that ran a four, five, one at 245 pounds at 239 pounds at his pro day. He ran a four, five, one and which is extraordinary. Right. And he's going as a priority free agent somewhere. And it, there was an, there's another cat from Idaho state that, that ran a four or five at the same type of H back spot. So, and these are undrafted guys and you got people that were at the combine that were undrafted going to like Oklahoma had a real versatile type guy like that, that ran a four, I think he ran a four ninth combine. I think his pro day was a little better. I think he got in the four sevens, but he played at Oklahoma. And so you start doing the math on that fullback H back type guy and only 23 NFL teams run fullbacks. Five of them are more traditional. That just narrows the window. Then you take out the other teams that have guys under contract already and it just it it narrowed the market so gosh darn much that even with a I mean in any other year a fullback at 237 around a 462 would be in a camp with his receiving skills Mm -hmm. it's craziness it's it's mind-blowing to me and I know for a fact that some scouts had a sixth round grade on him last year so um it just it, it a lot of its market you had a very, very deep tight end class. You had those other guys that whenever you're a small school kid, man, you, it, it, and especially a position switch guy, whereas you're going from tight end to fullback, small school plus position switch, that bar goes really, really high. And we're, we're trying to fight through it. He's still staying in shape. You know, um, we'll see if something happens. You never want to rip for injuries. We'll see what happens around the NFL. Maybe something won't pan out somewhere. Someone will have a need and, and, and we can go, but there really hadn't been a lot of injuries. I mean, I keep my phone. I got it right here. I keep my phone on me. I, I'm, I'm on like, this is dead central time. We're going through camps. Like the West coast is just finishing up. So there's going to be a whole lot of camp news coming out every day that I try and monitor. But Ian Friday just did everything, everything you could ask. And, and I'm so mm-hmm. proud of that young man. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see where it ends up, but. I tell you what, he wasn't scared. To, you were talking about not being scared. He wasn't scared to fail. He worked his tail off. He chased the dream, and we're we're going to work on it. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was really really cool to stay in contact with him while he was going through his camps, the way you guys took care of him, and to and I'm glad that uh, he still had the spirit through it, you know, because keeping I try to send him an encouraging thing every once in a while. So, um, and it's just really cool for me to see the dots connected between the current player and then you, we, we were teammates and to see you guys working together and just seeing some little bit of Adam state family action right there. That made me happy. That made me happy too. Um, yeah. George, uh, I've, I've already abused your time and I'm ready to wrap it up. And I want to tell you, thank you for one spending this time with me. Uh, but thank you for, for playing Adam State football, for playing at Adam State. Thank you for being a mentor to me when I was there, teaching me stuff, being 
being a, a role model, right? Because when I think about us as a young group of young group of players, you were a guy we could look to. You uh, see, you know, those types of those types of spirits where you know you're on the line, you're dog tired, and you don't want to you don't want to put the foot behind the line. You don't want to go full clip, but you think about that work that George Holly put in that spirit. Um, you meant a lot to me. So thank you for playing Am State football. Thank you for your, and thank you for your contributions to society as a whole, but also guys like Ian Friday, these football players that are trying to make it happen. Thank you, George. Oh, thank you, buddy. That means a lot. And you know, you know who loves you. I've always loved you, man. So it's good to see you. <laughs> love, talk you. With you. love you too, buddy. God bless you and your family. You got four kids now. Four, four, eight, six. Congratulations. Four, oh, I might boy. be down in the dirty mo next week. I'll give you a text if I'm down. I would, I, I'd love to meet up with you. Uh, if you got the kids, I got a, I got an eight and a six. So oh, cool. we can get them, we can get them together to throw rocks and flip boogers and stuff like that. So let's, uh, we're going to wrap the interview up here, George. Thanks again, buddy. All right, buddy. That's it for this episode of the Adam State Football Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please follow the podcast, share on social media, leave some ratings and reviews. If you have an idea for a podcast guest, send an email to adamstatefootballpodcast at gmail.com. Link in the description. Thanks a lot for listening. Go A-State.